What's with all these badass women in movies and TV who still need to be rescued by men? Or the ones who can defeat armies of muscle-bound henchmen barehanded, but have to do it in skin-tight suits and high heels? And what's up with those badass women who never wanted or needed a man until our suave hero sexed her up, and then she dies? Welcome to the Outrider Podcast's seven-part series, Problematic Badass Female Tropes. I'm your host, Jason Quinn Malott, and I'll be talking with the writer, performer, and all-around badass who identified these tropes, my friend, Jen Zukowski. So strap on some pasties and a merkin, and let's do this thing. Welcome to the Outrider Podcast's seven-part series, Problematic Badass Female Tropes. I'm your host, Jason Quinn Malott, and I'll be talking with the writer, performer, and all-around badass who identified these tropes, my friend, Jen Zukowski. So strap on some pasties and a merkin, and let's do this thing. Here we are, episode uh, number five of uh, Problematic Badass Female Tropes. This one is Mother Knows Best. Should I uh, recap for the uh, audience? I was actually going to read a paragraph from my article for this one, just because this one's kind of more of a, I don't know that it's difficult, but kind of the the center of it to me is sort of hinging on the, 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 the comparing of the female badasses with the male mm-hmm. counterpart badasses. Can I do that? Sure. We, we will do it's whatever short, you it's, like. It's a short paragraph. Okay. So this is the one that I wanted to like sort of nail as the center of the sort of argument of this trope. So correct. It's towards the end of the article. Um, how does this trope do its damage by propagating through strong female characters, strong in quotes, the tired stereotype that women must all be nurturers. Also that mm-hmm. men are not that no matter how powerful a woman may be in the world, her role as a woman will always be at home with the children. So then if you want to do a recap after that, well, certainly. Well, the basic the basic premise <laughs> of the of the trope is, you know, she can be the baddest badass in the galaxy, conquer aliens. But in the end, it's all all just for well, it's all so that she can go back to raising the kids and making the sandwiches. Yeah, exactly. Yep, that's you know, right. She doesn't. And that's her only especially if it's a, cer- a certain type of like uber bloody kind of action hero type character. Mm-hmm. I think I brought up um, Beatrix Kiddo from the yep. Kill Bill movies and also brought up Katniss Everdeen from the um, mm-hmm. books and movies both. It's like that's the only choice for redemption that a character like that actually has is right. to end up as a mother. Whereas the male characters don't, they could, they have all kinds of stuff and they normally don't end up as a family man. They certainly or even don't if they end do, up as a don't. mother. No, well, yeah, exactly. But you <laughs> know what I mean. End up like, as a motherfucker. There's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot. There's a. There are like several more options for a a badass male character, but there's only one choice of redemption and choice of conclusion for a badass female character, and that's in being a mother. Right. And right at the gate, because I've been thinking about this all day. You oh. know, a good, a good. My um, blushes, sir. Well, my the best kind of um, counter argument to this trope is Ant Man and the Wasp. Oh, this, I haven't and Ant Man and those. the Wasp also kind of argues against, I think, at least one of the other tropes. Because Ooh, is it a, is it a good example? Oh, it's a good one, right? Because oh, nice. okay, because of course Ant Man. So Ant Man and the Wasp. Um, we talked about you know how. This one, this Ant-Man and the Wasp kind of goes, um, it, it, it does a good version of Mother Knows Best. Mm-hmm. Well, it, well, it flips the version of Mother, it flips Mother's no, Mother Knows Best and also um, challenges or, or subverts the, uh, um, the story of his life trope, right? Oh, cool. Because... Um, I'm, so, I'm so glad I'm, I'm really wanting like I'm hoping that your listeners will comment on these a lot, too, because I'm because I'm expanding all of these into one book. Uh-huh. I want to actually I want to have examples in all kinds of entertainment and literature of of stories that don't do these. Like I would, I want some like 
examples of the, I don't know, the anti-strokes, I guess. Right, right. That would be great to have. So, okay, Ant-Man and the Wasp, good. So okay. Ant-Man and the Wasp, right. So, Sweet. you know, Ant-Man, of course, being the title character, he's the hero, right? But his whole thing is, you know, he just, he he wants to be a, a good um, father to his daughter. And mm-hmm. he's very focused on the kid. It's his kid he's worried about. Um, you know, at the start of the movie, you haven't seen it yet, so I'm going to try not to give too many spoilers. At the start, I don't of the, actually really care about spoilers. If I get a spoiler, I, I'm just more interested in seeing how the spoiler okay. happens than getting all bent out of shape about it. Okay, so kind of to explain why Ant-Man is not um, with the Avengers when they go after Thanos is that he's on house arrest. <laughs> oh dear. Okay. Because because <laughs> of the because of the the air because of the uh, um because of the airport fight in Germany during uh, the Avengers um the um Civil War movie. I haven't seen that one. You haven't seen Civil War either? Uh-uh. I haven't okay. seen a lot of them. I saw the first Thor movie, I saw Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. I saw the first Iron Man. Okay. So, right. So Ant-Man got arrested after the f- after civil war, um, for leaving the country and, and violating the Sokovia accords about, you know, powered or special humans. Mm-hmm. And so, um, he's on house arrest while the others are out doing the thing. But of course, Hank Pym and, and Hank's daughter, Hope, um, come and recruit him because they've, there's a problem going on and mm-hmm. he's, and he's only like three days away from finishing his house arrest. And they keep dragging him out of the house and sneaking him out of the house and like putting his his ankle monitor on an ant that will want that will mimic his activities in the house so that the FBI doesn't think he's left. Right. (laughs) Everything. He just wants to get done with the house arrest so he can spend time with his daughter out in the world rather than having her always come to the house to see him. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's the most. And of course, Ant-Man, you know, because it's Paul Rudd and because it's Marvel, Ant-Man is also kind of the comedic foil for the whole thing. Uh, yeah. You know, he was, he was a thief that got recruited into being this superhero. And so he's, you know, kind of awkward and goofy or whatever. And Hope Van Dyne, which is Hank Pym's daughter, you know, is the wasp and she's a badass. She kicks ass. You know, she's got the full wasp suit. It's not done up to be, you know, like part, not part of her body is showing that shouldn't be showing. Right. right. right? You know, it's just the full suit. And actually she has wings and blasters, which Ant-Man doesn't have. So she's even got a cooler suit than Ant-Man, you know, and she can shrink and all this other stuff like that. And she's a total badass. Right. Oh, neat. Okay. And, you know, she does not fall away. She doesn't need to be, um, she, and she does not need to be rescued by Ant-Man any more frequently than Ant-Man needs to be rescued by her. So it's kind of, so like, there's yeah, a lot, so it's, it's, it's a more, true dare I team say effort. <laughs> it's a true team effort between the two of right. them, right? Oh, that's cool. To, to get to the end of this movie. And of course, at the end of the movie, it's not, you know, she doesn't lose all of her powers and become a mother or something like that. And uh-huh. Ant-Man doesn't ride off into the sunset, you know, the lone hero, or whatever. Right. The, yeah, the whole exactly. movie ends with the three of them making a neat little family. But that's not, of course, the real end because, you know, all the Marvel movies have the slug at the end. Oh, right. Yes, of course. Right. So I won't tell you that one, but it but it plays into the whole Thanos timeline, whatever. So. And it okay, ties well, up nicely cool. and explains, you know, why Ant-Man's going to be around for the uh, the second half of the, uh, um, you know, the two part conclusion to the first wave of, of these right, movies. Right. Is it only going to be two movies? Do you know? Yeah. Yeah. OK. And then, of course, the second wave, you know, will be centered around Captain Marvel and some of the other heroes mm-hmm. that are left over people that that still want to do it, you know, as opposed to you know, the guy that's been Chris. uh What's his name? One of the three Chris's. Yeah, I know. They're all Chris, aren't they? <laughs> who's, been, who's been playing Captain America. And of course, you know, um, Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man. They're all getting ready. They've been doing these characters for 10 years now. They're ready to do something else. Yeah, they're done. And so it's moving on to other younger actors to focus around other Marvel characters. And I'm sure that like in the comic books, other people will take on the mantle of being Iron Man or sure, sure. You know, Captain America and in future 
versions. That's a nice. That's a nice thing about having them be comic book movies because you can always do that. You could be like, which Green Lantern is it? Is it so and so or so and so? Well, now that they've set up the MCU this way, I think that's going to happen more often rather than mm-hmm. rebooting movies the way they were doing, you know, prior to the first Iron Man and, you know, constantly right. rebooting all this stuff. You're actually going to have, you know, you'll just cycle people in and out like they do with the comic books, you know, right, and occasionally right. you might bring the original guy back for something because the original guy always comes back for something. Oh, sure. Right. That's true in the comics, too. But anyway, so yeah, Ant-Man and the Wasp totally goes is, – is some good examples for how this doesn't work. Now – Oh, cool. Well, that's good to know. Thank you. Yes. So Mother Knows Best. Now, one thing about Mother Knows Best because you're, you're – you you did mention that you had Katniss Everdeen in there and um, Beatrice Kiddo from the Kill Bill stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and they do at the – and I've never seen all of the uh, um, Hunger Games stuff. I've read them. I, I haven't. I saw the first movie, but I've read all the books. So, okay, I've never even read the books. I just saw some of the movies, so I don't know the story that well. But in in these two examples that you give, I, I'm taking your word for it that these and two characters, too. that these two characters, you know, wander off into the into the kitchen, pop out some babies. Well, it's the know. it's the conclusion of their. They're both. Those two are both very bloody sort of action type heroes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Beatrix Kiddo is sort of a slaughterer of many evil henchmen kind of <laughs> kind yeah. of a character. Oh, I've seen that. And yeah, and and Katniss Everdeen is a taker down of evil governments kind of character, she and she ends up killing a lot of people too. So she's right. she's got super war PTSD. She's got I was a rebel warrior for a while PTSD. She's got lots mm-hmm, of blood mm-hmm. on her hands. And she ends up settling. I'm um, spoiler alert, guys. She ends up settling down with uh, the more gentle of her two sort of paramours, like romance interests. Yeah. Yeah. So she settles down with the gentler of the two and has babies as her sort of conclusion, as her denouement. Right. And but like I say in the in the article, it's like, well, that's not necessarily a bad. Th- I mean, for poor Katniss, that might be a really nice happy ending for her. Right. The problem is with the trope is that it happens so many times. It happens so often that right. only for the female badasses and right. never for the male badasses. I mean, you never hardly ever see a character like Lone Wolf and Cub, mm-hmm. which which would be the that's like the only. Ver- male version of Mother Knows Best I can think of. And actually, Lone Wolf and Cub still goes through all kinds of bloody adventures. He just happens to have his baby with him. Right. As he does it, it's just you don't you don't get the conclusion. The, the only way of redeeming your bloody history is by having babies and staying mm-hmm. with the babies. That's right. the important thing. Like you have the old Mad Max movies and you know, he certainly is all about protecting the kid during his one adventure. But then he leaves and he, he rides off into the sunset for more solo, save the day kinds of adventure. Right. And his right. story is told by the kid who grows up later without him. So the male counterparts tend to not have this sort of or if they do, it's, it's almost like a like a joke or like a, like an albatross around that kind of thing. That's one of the male trope. I'm, I'm writing a new series of the male tropes. And that's one of the bad tropes about that is like, ha ha, men can't be, can't be good parents. Ha-ha. That's where I think you can use Ant-Man as a counterbalance. Oh, great. That's great. So you'll need to watch it. the two Ant-Man movies. I will. I'm going to have to do that. That's good to know. I always need more movies to watch, especially because my partner is <laughs> going to get oral surgery soon. I'm going to spend a weekend. Not have him totally like zonked out on right. painkillers and not being able to do anything but watch movies. So <laughs> right on. There you go. So the Good one suggestion. thing, the one thing that did pop into my mind as I was reading this was that, you know, although at the end of Aliens, Ripley, you know, wanders off with the kid. If you if you take into the big arc of Ripley's character, yeah, she doesn't end up with the happily ever after the baby and the whatever because in the next movie the kid's taken from her and 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 she dies spoiler right so in that story though but in that one story yeah she just sees the total you know as we would say post sarah palin you know mama bear yeah totally yeah Except, you know, I actually had some when I when the article first came out, I had some comments were like, oh, yeah, but you know, Newt, the character, she's just connected to her because she realizes she's lost her own daughter who would be about that age 
you know, and I so she feels daughter, that it was like a hundred years before she was found. No, but like, like she, like the last time she saw her, her actual daughter, Oh right, right she right. would have, she would have been about Newt's age. And so she feels that loss into the night. Right. I'm like, well, yeah, but that doesn't, that doesn't change the fact that they're shoehorning her into this trope. Right. Right. In, in other stories of Ripley's, she has other things that happen to her, but in that right. particular story, that is what happens to her. But I, th- I think there's all kinds of other shit that happens to Ripley. Like she, there's like clones and shit. And right. <laughs> she still does the self-sacrificing thing that she does. And other yeah. Things. yeah. So it's like, there's a lot of stuff that goes on. So. Right. Well, th- the thing I I find interesting though is that I think if it if if aliens hadn't been made in that section of the eighties in which it was made, they probably would not have put the kid in it. Oh, you think so? Well, it was really what makes you, what makes you say that. Well, there was there was a lot of I seem to have this sense, and I would have to go back and double check on it. This sense that during that era, that middle eighties, there was a lot of. And maybe it would have been made with a kid recently, but there seemed to have been always been that that token, you know, kid stuck in the movie. What year was Aliens? Do we need to start IMDBing shit now? No, let's fuck it. <laughs> fuck research. I did all the research when I wrote the articles. Well, I read the articles. I was thinking like, like stuff like War Games and like uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom where he's got fucking round, Short round following yeah. around. Is that like the same sort of? Yeah, and that's the same well, era sort of where same. you have. They always seem to wanted to stick a kid in there as a as a yeah. uh, as a character that was, you know, and that and, and that, then we have the we have the protagonist kids like Goonies and Babysitters Club and not Babysitters right, right, Club, but uh, that's Adventures in Babysitting. Right, that was slightly different, you know, because that was at least centering on the kids, whereas there seemed to have been a lot of. You know, but they're action movies, though. Action they're movies, action adventure movies with kids. Right, but the kids are the are the ones that are that are doing the main acting and adventuring. That's true. And they're not the one. They're the ones they save themselves and each other. Whereas, oh, know, I see. So it's not like a parenting. It's not like a mother thing. Right. Yeah. That yeah. Because yeah, you know, Temple of Doom. You know, Indy was having to save Short Round and 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 the woman and the woman. <laughs> Kate Capshaw, because you know, yes, Kate Capshaw. Um, I have uh, some major theories about why that character didn't work out so well, but that's a whole nother. Oh, article. Kate Capshaw's character in that one. <laughs> yeah, why yeah. she's so irritating. Oh well, having seen it again, I have a whole like I have, a, I have an actually awesome theory, and as a as a person who analyzes literature on a regular basis, I'm saying that I'm right. <laughs> I think that it's true. It's that she's trying to be comic relief. Right. But but there's already comic relief in a short round. So right. her being comic relief as well as short round being comic relief, it doesn't work. She just ends up being grating and irritating. Yeah. If she were trying to do if she tried to do something else with that character, it would have worked way better. Right. So <laughs> back to Mother Knows Best. Back to Mother Knows Best. <laughs> because you know, really this one this one is probably the most solid of the tropes that we've seen so far. Did I say that? Oh, you, already said about that one last, of you said that last one. <laughs> well, I mean, no last, last week was the one that I had the least amount of, I, I agreed with the most. Oh, but I think as far as, 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 as examples, this one has the most fitting examples. So you got the Ripley, you've got the Katniss oh, and you, we can think of other, um, badass women characters that, that end up, you know, descending into uh, into the uh, into the kitchen and the sandwich making end up being end up being domesticated or alternatively as i mentioned briefly um ones who can't and so therefore are not allowed to be redeemed like i'm thinking black widow doesn't she have a few comments about not being able to have children and that kind of like oh yeah yeah, yeah. doesn't she call herself a monster because she can't have kids right right but then again she spends the whole show cleaning up after the boys so she's no, mothering but, them. Oh, I see. So she's mothering the, the male superheroes. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, but it, it is that sort of attitude, though, where it's like, if you can't be a mother or God forbid, choose not to be a mother, then you right. are some kind of not, you're some kind of like freak. <laughs> right. And you don't, you don't, you don't get redemption as a woman then if you can't be a mother or you don't end up being a mother. Or, or at least you don't get your own standalone. 
as your conclusion. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right? well, that's what I mean. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Sure. I mean, why doesn't Black Widow get her own standalone movie? I mean, come on. Yeah, I don't know. There's a really interesting backstory there. We'd like to see that. Why no? Mm-hmm. And who wouldn't want to see Scarlett Johansson actually do a movie where she's actually properly cast? Right. Instead as opposed, of cast as Asian characters. Miscasters as white being a whitewashed Asian character. Oh, God. That's a whole other podcast right. as well. Oh, whitewashing. That'd be a whole other <laughs> series of shows. So Whitewashing. How then do we, do we thwart? How then do we subvert specifically this trope? Well, I say that um, the it seems like there's more and more a plethora of badass action hero type female characters, and even more so sometimes, every once in a while, mm-hmm. they end up being the protagonist. And if we do that, and when we do that, let's give them other options for their conclusion to their story other than being domesticated. Can't, can't a woman go riding off into the sunset? Let's give them other options besides right. having to go stay at home with the mm-hmm. children. And it's not like that that's a terrible way to end your life, but it's the only way women are allowed to end their life in movies like that and in, in stories like that. So let's give them other options for endings. Let's give them other endings. I actually was thinking about Atomic Blonde recently. I only saw it once in the theater, and I'm kind uh-huh. of trying to remember the ending to that. I think that she does end up sort of riding off into the sunset to do more adventures. Potentially, I think that's yeah. That's how that movie ends. Yeah, yeah. So stuff like that. If we if we could just give these female badass characters more types of conclusions besides mm-hmm. being domesticated, that would be the way to subvert that trope. That way, it won't be a trope. That way, it just it might happen sometimes, but it won't be a trope anymore. Right. But wouldn't the um, wouldn't the feminist argument be that particularly if we if we take the uh, the Katniss Everdeen example that you gave here as as the uh, the the sticking point is the arguing point wouldn't the uh, mm-hmm. the feminist argument be well we shouldn't you know criticize or or call it a trope or call it something or, or treat it this way if if being domesticated is something that she chooses to do wouldn't that be well, yeah. well, robbing sure. I mean, this she... woman of her empowerment to choose to be a sandwich maker well that's exactly <laughs> what i'm saying if 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 the if it makes sense for the character and it definitely right. does fine but it doesn't make sense for every single one of these right. female characters. Right. Let's give these characters the options for endings that are more apt for their particular characters. Maybe for Katniss, that is the right ending. In fact, it doesn't seem that Katniss's ending doesn't actually bother me so much. Although I would like, be like, wouldn't she be involved in this government that she just helped to overthrow? Like, right. She probably wouldn't. I mean, you know, whatever. But that, I mean, why like couldn't she saying, be? Why couldn't she both be a mother and, and still and be politically a politician? And, right. Exactly. Right. I mean, exactly. That's one of the great things about our current Congress. We have more mothers of, of young children in Congress now than we've ever had before. Oh, it's great. What yeah. The fuck? Yeah, and right? there's all kinds of cool shit going on because of it. Yep. So that that's what I would say to those feminists. I'd be like, that's all fine. That's great. But right now, this is the only option that we're seeing for these mm-hmm. types of mm-hmm. characters. So let's just make it appropriate for the character. Right. Let's just – let's say, okay, Beatrice Kiddo saved her daughter – She's not going to stay home with her daughter. Not that character. She's going to maybe be a lone wolf and cub now. Can that happen, please, for a female? Like, let's let's give let's give more options to female characters. The the same type types of wide options that we have for male characters. Considering her motivation for going on the quest that she goes on, what then would be her motivation to continue to be a badass? I don't know. We'd have to just see. I mean, would it would it make sense? Let's maybe, maybe it wouldn't for that character. Maybe she would just decide to give up all the bloodiness, or you know, maybe maybe the badassness would come to her. Maybe all the people who she like slaughtered would come, like their families would come to enact revenge on her, and she'd have to, right. and they'd come to her. You know, it just and it, so she it's has like to continue to be a badass to open. protect herself and her child. Sure. Yeah, right. something like. That, Which, but just having some other option open right, available. Right, right. So, at what point? Because this this brings up a, something that 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 I've kind of 
that doesn't really have anything to do with the trope, that doesn't have anything to do with gender, but has to do with the um, the structure, the plotting, the predictability, the formula of story right, in general, right? right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Well, this is where tropes start to happen is when it's too predictable or too stereotypical. Well, this, well it's... Well, why does a badass ha- even have to stay a badass? They don't have to. Right. Um, they don't have to. And it's almost kind of predictable that within the world of the story that's created by these hyper-violent stories, like the Kill Bills and stuff like this, is that you have a character who... Basically what I'm getting at is that you, know, you have a character who has very simplistic motivations... When you when you take them when you expand the context beyond the story, mm-hmm. if you extend, this is probably why I have a problem with some, with with not all but a lot of genre fiction, is that you have that you take that context and I, and this probably also applies to mystery fiction more more this applies more to genre fiction that's set in a real world type of in a simulacrum of real world stuff as opposed to fantasy or sci-fi or stuff like that. Okay. Okay. Right. Is that you have this situation, this character who's doing a certain thing and they have rather simplistic motivations Mm -hmm. for doing the thing, you know, the kid, you know, kill bill being an example of it, you know, it's set in a relatively, it seems like it's set in a, uh, in a contemporary environment. And she becomes this badass because she's been wronged because she wants her daughter back. And she does that for one simple reason, but within you, you expand that out into the greater context of the, of the, of the real world. Would anything that happens after that be unexpected? Okay. So this reminds me of my formula for story that I teach everybody. Uh-huh. And it has to do with the, the three rules for actors. What do I want? What do I do to get what I want? What stands in my way? Right. So a character, the, the whole thing that a story even is, is a protagonist, a character, wants something. Right. With all her heart and soul. She will die if she does not have it. So she goes out and gets it. She has obstacles that stand in her way. She does different tactics. Uh-huh. To get the obstacle. When she achieves her obstacle or sees that her obstacle is not achievable, then the story is over. Right. The next time she, the next story happens, if there happens to be a sequel, there is a new objective. Mm-hmm. So that's all a story is. It is character wants something. Character goes right. to get something. Character achieves it. Right. That's the, when the story is over. I think something that you're saying is already the problem, which is not only in genre fiction. In fact, it's everywhere. And that's, you use the word simplistic. I think that's really where the core of the problem lies is the character's objective is simplistic or is, is you don't see the stakes involved in what this character wants. Right. That's where the problem lies in your, in what you're saying. So in stories like that, where you're like, well, what the fuck? That just means, because you use the word simplistic, and that's exactly right there. You just pinpointed the problem. That character has an objective, and that author, whoever wrote the story, did not give that character an important enough objective, did not put the stakes high enough for that character to obtain that objective. And so mm-hmm. what that story reads like then is just, well, why do I even, why do I even care if this character gets this objective? Like, why do they want this objective so much? Like, what do I even, why am I even following them? Right. You know, I don't really, it's not, it's, so that's really what I would reply with. <laughs> does that, so then, is, does that, is that an answer? Is that a rich enough answer? I think you just nailed it with your use of language right there. Simplistic objective. That would, that would imply that there are other tropes at work in, in particularly the, uh, the Kill Bill movies that have not been trope also being a, a, a synonymous with shortcut right shortcut or stereotype so there are other shortcuts and stereotypes in kill bill that have not been adequately addressed otherwise i, I, I do mention it did, I, I think i mentioned it in the um down the rabbit hole one right the torturing women one right but well i'm, I'm talking also about tropes and, and stereotypes relating to the, to the bad guys to the instigating oh sure mm-hmm 
um, thing. And the plot, the because, plot structure, and yeah, because she goes after her her kid. Why? Because it's her kid. Because it was taken right, from right. her. What's the stakes? Is her kid in danger? Wasn't wasn't her wasn't she pregnant and the kid was taken out of her and she so she's never really known the kid, right? Isn't that right? Th- yeah, Am and, I understand and the, that right? There's actually I, I don't know I don't remember I don't remember. I mean I don't think the kid was born at the time was it? She was a bride and or maybe the kid was I don't remember. It's been I was like I said I think the kid was born but I don't think she knew her very much. And then the, there's the other thing too like the, there's been people online who have been talking about these movies a lot and. One of them is like this child. So she, she she ends up killing Bill, right? And she ends up taking her kid, but like this kid's only known him as a parent. Like, right? Sure, this is a, a horrible kidnapping story or whatever, probably. But like, how is that a happy ending? <laughs> <You know, laughs> well, how is that a happy ending for the kid? Just right. because she has her daughter again, like what? It's not really. <laughs> Like, what is that? So she just has to be domesticated because she's a female or like, right. Like what? Because, she, and so now she has to be with her mother because she's her mother. So there's been a lot of questions about that. And I think that's what you're saying is like, okay, so why, why, why is that right. the conclusion? Right. Why is that her objective? Yeah. And those, I mean, movie, I mean, those the, movies are stylized enough. Right. To this is probably why it's I have kind a, of not clear either. Well, it's more, that, it's more it about could the be, awesome fight scenes. Could be part of the reason why I have a fundamental problem with Tarantino movies anyway. But Right, right. It's all about the style, not really about the story. But at least with now with Aliens, uh-huh. There you understand that that motivation. They set it yes. up early that that Ripley, you know, had a daughter and she didn't see her daughter grow up and there's that that scene where she's looking at the picture of her grown daughter, right? If I remember right. Yeah. And she's basically tripping out. She's almost mourning it. Right. Mourning because her I, daughter is dead. Cause she's like, I don't, I don't. Uh, yeah. Isn't, doesn't her daughter look older than her in that picture or about the same age or something like that? Yeah. And she was yeah, in stasis she never so got long. To, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so like, there's no point for her to even try to reach out and say hi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And so she, no, she's basically lost her daughter. She's lost everything. And mm-hmm. then, so she's on this planet and she finds this stranded child who was the age her daughter was when she when she left and left into this thing so you kind of understand why she would have this compulsion to protect this child it's totally logical you you understand the fierceness there's everything there to get it and so you know and she's the only person that even wants to stay and of newt too like the rest of the crew and they're not even all men there's one other woman on the crew so it's not just that it's a... And we talk about her in another trope. In the next one, yeah. 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 <laughs> but the woman is is like... The woman, the other woman on that crew is basically one of the guys, which right. we'll talk about next time. So she's the only woman to actually have the maternal instincts to... Da, 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 so there, there's all that too. Right. Yeah. And it's, you know, so in a way, if you take... So why doesn't the- one of the guys like have any care for like all the rest of the crew is basically just like, Hey, well, just leave, let the Michael Bean's die. character does. Well, sort of, but they're all ready to just leave when, and when I, Newton and, get, and like, even calls. though, even though it's the aliens movie, I still want to call him Reese. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> nice. And I can't remember his name from the aliens movie. I mean, he's so oh, identified no, with either. the Terminator, but what the oh my f- god, it's so true. I don't remember his name either. Oh my god, I'm so bad. Everyone is now yelling at their phones. Right, of course, yeah. Yeah. What the f- at us. What the fuck was his name in Aliens? Hold but on do a you second. see what I mean? Like like when, when Newt does fall down through the cracks uh-huh. and they're like, Well, she's lost. Let's just go. Let's just fucking go. Ripley's the only one who's like, No, we have to go yeah. get her. And they're like, No, we can't go fucking get her. She's gone. And Ripley's the only one. <laughs> that will, you know, risk her life and everything to go be the the mama bear, the the mech suit mama bear. But do you know what I mean? Right. And why is she the only one? Because she's the only woman. True. Because the other woman isn't isn't really a woman, and we'll talk about that next time. Hicks, <laughs> Corporal Hicks. Hicks, thank you. Yes, Hicks. yes, Corporal Hicks. God damn it! Right, <sighs> but. But no, he he's 
It's a way of domesticating the female character, is all right, I'm saying. Right, right. But the thing is, though, is that, you know, at the end of Aliens, you know, they, they, Hicks is the only one, you know, capable of getting whoever's the other survivors are, which is basically what the robot and, and one other person up to the ship. Somebody needs to be at the ship. So you send Hicks, who's wounded. Yeah. Right. I mean, so he could not have. I mean, I think if I think if Hicks hadn't been wounded, he might have helped her. But then, of course, you didn't. If if that happened, you wouldn't have set up the one on one between Ripley and the and the mama alien. Which is cool. You know, it's it's the queen insect versus the, the strong queen female. Lady. Like, I, I get it. Yeah. Which is cool, too. It's not like there's like everything is wrong with that either. It's just like there's right. this trope that pops up again. She has to be domestic. But like you said, once she moves on to her next story, then it changes and that's yeah. a different story. I mean, story. because, right, that's the thing about the the Alien franchise, really, is that until you there get to— There is a next to, story. There is a next story. There is a, a continuation. It's, it's not a complete story, whereas, you know, when you get to the end of the trilogy for— um, the Hunger Games, that's a complete story. That is her conclusion, yeah. Right. Same thing with Kill Bill, that is her conclusion. And and any time and yeah, right. And but whereas with aliens, you put the ki- you they literally, literally put the characters in stasis. <laughs> right? Right. Yeah, well, exactly. For right. the trip home. And so that implies that the story is incomplete. And and so kind of even though even though Ripley is Within the microcosm of the Aliens movie. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, yeah. A mother knows best within the greater context of her story. She's and not. That, well, yeah. She's a yeah, tr- and this is something you point out in the essay when you say that the, that the character of Ripley was originally supposed to be a man. Yep. Is that her whole arc, even after Well, it's- originally, and I, I would, I don't know. I, I don't know if that was, I know that was true for the first script for Alien. Right. But for Aliens, you know, Alien 3, Alien Covenant, you know, those she was they were having to She's deal with Sigourney the Weaver at that it's point. Sigourney <laughs> Weaver that Ripley yeah. is and Sigourney Weaver is a fucking badass, you know, I can love her. Yeah. She's my doppelganger. She's my celebrity doppelganger. I look just <laughs> like her. At least I hope I look like her when I'm that age. God, she's fucking hot. We're both October 8th birthdays. Oh, are you? Mm-hmm. What is she like? Ten, ten years older than us? No, Something like, like twenty years older than me. Oh, is she? Oh, okay. Oh yeah, she's like. Well, let's take a look. So here. she's got, like my mom's age. Let's see here. Oh, and she's an Amazon. She's six foot tall. Oh, is she? Yeah, that's what it says here. Goodness. Yeah, she is. Um, well, I'm five nine, so. She is. She is in my mom's generation. She was October eighth, nineteen forty nine. She is. Uh, oh, okay. So she's yeah, about she's seventy about years old. Wow. Uh, yeah. And she's still to older looks, women. Cheers. Exactly. Well, of course, you know, older women that have makeup artists and personal trainers. And, oh yeah. Well, you know, older celebrities is a whole different monster than older actual humans. <laughs> but yeah. No, Sigourney anyway. Weaver's awesome. And 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 there was another article I read a while back. You know, so even though this is a particular trope, that character Ripley is kind of the template for all female badasses. For all female badasses. All female badasses. Yeah. Even though she only started in the seventies. Well, there have been there. You could probably say that, as far as as far as American movies go. She is the template for for the the postmodern female badass. Just sci-fi, or for everything. Oh. And I wish I, I should find that article and, and send that to you. Oh yeah, definitely. I should send have it done to that. Me. But anyway, but yes. So prior to, I mean, if you had not had Ripley starting in the in the seventies with that badass mm-hmm. character, you would not have had Sarah Connor. Oh yeah, well that's teacher. true. Yeah. Yep. You would not have had all these other, you would not have had... Um, well, even Sarah Connor started out as a sort of damsel in distress or like a horror movie oh, yeah. chick. Mm-hmm. But and, and Sarah Connor even came along after the first Alien movie, but before yep. the Aliens movie. Right. 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 But no, if you... And so, you know, your your Resident Evil movies... Yeah. Your even even are um, even even to have a female as the center of an action 
right was was right. was not i mean yes you had things like um uh the black exploitation movie with um jack uh who was that actress that did jackie brown with the tarantino movie what was her name pam greer you had pam oh, right. greer uh-huh. in the 70s with kind of the crime you know that's how she got roped into being the jackie brown character was because of stuff she did in black exploitation films right if i right. remember well, right yeah. mm-hmm. um i might be fucking up my total film history right there I don't let's, know. I don't know much about Pam Greer. Make sure I'm not uh, misremembering my my film history here. Oh yeah, right, right, right. Starring in a string of 1970s women in prison and black exploitation films such as The Big Bird Cage, Coffee, Foxy Brown, and Sheba Baby. <laughs> Right, so she wow. did a. Oh yeah, man. Sheba baby. Sheba baby. And then she did Jack Brown, of course. <laughs> she did Beyond the right. Valley of the Dolls. She was in uh, the Big okay. Doll House, Women in Cages, The Twilight People, Cool Breeze, The Big Bird Cage, Hitman, Black Mama, White Mama. <laughs> Scream! Wow. She was in Scream, Blackula, Scream. Oh, Scream, Blackulous Scream. Right, right. Foxy Holy Brown, shit. Sheba Baby, Bucktown, <laughs> Friday Foster, Greased Lightning. Ooh, she was in Fort Apache, the Bronx. This is all like, uh, uh, this is all black exploitation. Yeah, well, I mean, Fort Apache, the Bronx was more mainstream, but like you know, oh. Foxy Brown, Sheba Baby, yeah, yeah. and of course, Scream, Blackula Scream was was that was all. That means super hypersexualized too. In that case, black exploitation. And so, you know, I mean, that's one of the things that you should probably, when you expand these into books, is take a look at the the female badasses in 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 B movies and black exploitation, and see how those differ or challenge or or complement these tropes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's, that's going to be a whole another series of because, tropes there. Because and I didn't really address uh, women of color or trans women just because I don't really feel like mm-hmm. I have the stance to do so. I think there are other voices that would do that with more accuracy and more. But that does not <laughs> mean you knowledge. should not try. Well, maybe so. Other, otherwise, yeah, maybe otherwise, so. otherwise, you're being too white. Oh, really? If I if I stick with you, yeah. okay. Yeah. You, know, you should at least at least make an attempt to understand and address. I mean, I don't want to. Yeah, no, definitely that. I just don't. I don't want to like try and adopt a voice of someone that I don't really. Well, yeah. I you mean, know, you might you uh, might not you might not want to go so far as to define a specific you know black exploitation trope that is that you would have to have had a black experience to fully understand. Right, exactly. But as as a critic and a writer and and someone who can synthesize and and have empathy and and an, and, an analyzer of literature <laughs> and and I'm sure has you know friends who are POCs that is people of color you could always you know ask and get inputs and and critique and review to make sure that you're not um, you know operating from a place of you know privileged white ignorance right well yeah that's true that's true you know it all just and, and, it all, and a lot of these a lot of these seven tropes do cover like lots of ground right that's not right they don't just cover white women mm-hmm. like characters either yeah foxy brown <laughs> seeks revenge when her government agent boyfriend is shot down by members of a drug syndicate at her doorstep Oh, damn. She links her okay. boyfriend's right. murderers to a modeling agency run by Steve Elias and Miss Catherine that services local judges, congressmen, and police in the area. Foxy decides to pose as a prostitute to infiltrate the oh. company and help save a fellow black woman from a life of drugs and sexual exploitation and reunites her with her husband and child. So Foxy Brown, oh. Foxy Brown, it seems like from this story, is, is a female badass who at the end does not wander off into domestication. No, she helps another to, to their happy ending. Right. So this 
So what we're looking at here is that is that we have to. So you have these tropes, particularly with Mother Knows Best, is you have this Mm -hmm. tendency with Mother Knows Best that seems to almost be a white lady trope. Maybe so. And when you get into so if you if you were to mix it up with things like Foxy Brown or badass lady tropes from from black exploitation, you might end up having to kind of rejigger and tweak this one. That's interesting. Okay. Because, you know, it's it's kind of like last week where you're trying to, you know, we were talking about how sometimes these tropes, when you place them against the um, the broader arc of society, you begin to see a different pattern, why they emphasize this trope after a certain period. And so what you have here as yeah. well. And what do these tropes do to influence culture or vice versa? Right. Because this trope, this mother knows best thing, you know, so far with, with Beatrix Kiddo, with Katniss Everdeen, and with even Sigourney Weaver with Ripley, these are all white ladies yeah. becoming badasses to protect children. So what does that say when it's contrasted and compared with, you know, something like a Foxy Brown who becomes a badass but is not domesticated? Is that is that because right, right. black women have that choice or because black women don't have that choice? Ah, uh, that's I hmm, I could start talking about something about the hypersexualization of black women through right. cinema history. Exactly. There is that. Uh, the wild the wildness and the exotification the of black primitivization women. Primitivization of, of 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 blackness uh-huh. in American culture, the 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 yep. violent aggressive, you know, uh, stereotypical stereotypical, yeah. you know, um and 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 then also of course, you know, you have to get in with socioeconomic deprivation and racism and and all that stuff that plays into it. Yeah, Why yeah. is why, when when you take just the framework of the existing trope that you've identified, does Foxy Brown seem to throw it over? And right. what about what right. about what about a character like Foxy Brown would, or even later, because Pam Greer goes on to do Jackie Brown, right? Exactly, yeah. And and that's a Tarantino movie, which I never saw, which I might be interested in seeing now that we've had this discussion. That's hmm, okay. Well, that's interesting. Well, that, yeah, okay. See, you're giving me all kinds of good fertilization for when I expand these. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah, so it's it's just kind of, you know, that being said, you know, I, I think all of these tropes, you know, you've, you've identified some solid tropes here, some solid, um, you know, shorthands, shortcuts, things that people are, that writers are using. It's a lazy writing type thing. Right. Yeah. And that's really what just what tropes are. They're stereotypes and they're lazy writing. Mm-hmm. And apparently by the size of the TV tropes database, there's a fuck ton of lazy writing out there. <laughs> well, it's true. But also like like what you were saying about the TV tropes site is that some of them aren't really tropes. Some of them are just like, hey, that's a stereotype I noticed. Yeah, in yeah. Like that's, one, that's a thing like that annoys thing. me. Right. <laughs> it's and trope is something that's like repeated and is like insidious and is like everywhere. Right. And that it, it it makes certain assumptions about humans and society and 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 motivation that not incorrect but oversimplified. Right. Right. Which is what a stereotype is. Correct. They have some Oversimpl- truth to oversimplified. them but, but have been reduced to a, a meaninglessness by a my lack of of thought or analysis. There you go. Right on. Excellently, excellently said. <laughs> <laughs> I always, I always get wiser the deeper into the bottle of wine mm. I get. Right. <laughs> right. Oh man. Of course, I'm probably slurring my words and think I sound great. I'll sure I hear from it from Heather or the audience. I'm like no, around about you know minute forty. You just fuck off into the universe just, and just there you no, go, no, dude. We're all gonna we're both gonna listen to all of these and be like, God damn, we are a fucking hammer. <laughs> what is going on? But this is just more about like we're allowing our listeners to experience the amazing thing that it is <laughs> to sit with Jason Malott and Jen Zuko <laughs> as they talk about literature, culture, and philosophy and get, get drink. Get their drink Although, going. We don't get drink wasted. 
drink no, because, everyone else under the table that right. ever tries to do it with us. <laughs> yeah, that should be a, that should be part of the uh, the intro is that <laughs> sit down when the podcast start and start drinking a bottle of wine and realize that whenever it is that you stop drinking <laughs> they're they're still they're going. still going and if you stop they, at 30 almost, minutes or 45 almost. minutes they're still going they're gonna sign <laughs> off like we're gonna sign off here in a few seconds and they keep going for at least another Jason hour and jen almost killed a fellow graduate student of theirs <laughs> in the literature in the creative writing we did program not kill, that almost kill him. almost killed him no he we didn't died. No, he didn't. It sure seemed like he was tired. He was just a little sick. <laughs> he was pale as death. He oh, was a little, he was a little too sweaty to be death. <laughs> no, but... <laughs> okay, In other so... words, don't try and keep up with us. Right. Don't keep up with us. <laughs> so, okay. So, next week will be the one of the guys trope. Yes, that now, is the story of my life. Did you ever see that movie, One of the Guys? I did not. Is <gasps> that, that's the one that it was based on Twelfth Night, right? Isn't that based on Shakespeare's Twelfth Night? Mm, I don't Am I wrong think about that. So. Am I thinking about something else? Well, um, Ten Things I Hate About You was based on Taming of the Shrew. I know, but I know there was one that was based on Twelfth Night. Let me double check. I thought it was One of the Guys, but... One of the guys, which I which I had, I loved that movie because Joyce Heisner at the time was I thought was fucking hot. Oh, she probably still is, but she's like way older than me. Oh. Yeah, it's the one with the movie poster where you've got all the football players in towels facing their lockers. She's got the helmets helmets over her boobs. boobs. Yeah, yeah. I think that's based on Twelfth Night. I think I think that. I remember that correctly. I never saw it, but I remember the the poster very clearly. I think it's based on Twelfth Night. Loosely. Well, IMDb is not ever very helpful, so let me uh, check Wikipedia. No, not unless you want to know something about actor births and deaths and things. Well, IMDb kind of... Cast lists and stuff. Well, yeah, cast lists, and then they don't have anyone... Ah, there we go. Yeah, Twelfth Night. You're right. Ah, cool. That was quick. Just a matter of getting to the right page on Wikipedia. <laughs> that's, that's right. But the World Wide Web of Information at our no fingertips. No shit. No shit. So next week, one of the guys, another bottle of wine. We're yeah. almost done with these tropes. Aw. Aw. I'm oh, writing the next series, but I know they won't, be, they won't be done for another few months. That's fine. We have plenty of time. <laughs> and plus, I have okay. to get back on my running schedule when we're done here. Oh, OK. Right. Right. So say goodbye. Bye. Bye. The Outrider podcast is recorded by me, Jason Quinn Malott, and cleaned up by my badass producer, Heather Ann Eden. The songs Choose and Adventure and Break and Mend used in this series are by Wichita-based band Cartwheel off their new EP, Best Days, and are used by permission of the copyright holder, Kristen Chapman. You can get Cartwheel's EP on Apple Music and Spotify, so visit them at www.cartwheel.band.